Hello. 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 And welcome, welcome to, to Laughbox. Laughbox, the podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And now, here's your host, Chip Lutz. Hello, friends, and welcome to Laugh Box. Now, if you're listening to this and it's March 2020, maybe April 2020, who knows, February 2021, you're quarantined, you're sequestered, and you're probably in dire need of a hug. But one of the interesting byproducts of our current situation is all the humor that's being used uh, by people to cope and to deal, to move on with life, to take control of the situation. So we here at AATH have brought together our best, our brightest, to share how you can use humor a little more strategically, how you can employ humor to deal with the things that are going on in our life, uh, things that they're doing, things that we can do, and why it works. Uh, I know you're going to get a lot of this out of this conversation. I know I did, and I deal with these people all the time, and every time I talk to them, like man they are so smart so just sit back kick back and enjoy hello friends and welcome to the podcast this is chip lutz i am so stoked today you know one i get to talk to other people two i get to talk to people that i actually like um, with everything that's going on in the world right now, uh, I've seen a lot of a lot more humor being used online and using humor to cope with coronavirus. So we at ATH are bringing back together the top, biggest, best people to uh, to talk about uh, <laughs> talk about humor and dealing with Ouch. some of the things that are going on. So I've got on the uh, line with me today uh, my good friend uh, Karen Buxman. She's a neurohumorist. I've got. Uh, Dr. Ed Dunkelblau, Dr. Heidi Hanna, Dr. Melissa Mort, and current president of the association, Paul Ostenkopf. So welcome, my friends. Um, Thank I'm you. I have everybody's um, uh, links to your website in the show notes, uh, so I won't have time to go around and everybody talk about um, where you come from, where you hail from. We'll have a little bit of that in the show notes. But like I said when I started off, I've seen a whole lot more humor online than I've ever seen, even from people that I didn't even know were funny. They're sharing humor. And so I thought I'd throw it out to uh, Karen to start off with as far as, you know, what she's been seeing and what's, what's going on out there in the light of everything that we're facing. Chip, thank you for bringing together the biggest and breast of us. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. And so, <laughs> breasts and all. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> I put on 10 pounds this week. So. Yeah, I've been trying to work mine off. <laughs> That's what happens when you eat all of your, all of your um, isolation quarantine snacks in one sitting. <laughs> oh, boy. But um, okay, so here we go. So what I've been, this has really been interesting because, um, we are see, I am seeing, and I know that my colleagues here are also seeing tons and tons and tons of humor right now, which is a great way for us to cope with situations. I think that with a crisis, I think that, that humor serves us in three particular ways um, to distract, to reframe, and to refuel. 
And I think that probably for the most part right now, people are using humor to distract themselves. Um, you know, they're putting funny things out there and they're also creating this um, kind of emotional distance for themselves. If they can laugh at something, they can feel empowered over it. And so I, I agree with you. I've seen more humor over this than really any other thing in terms of disasters that I can remember. I've seen during hurricanes and, and other kinds of geographical disasters that we've seen some humor. Um, but, you know, after 9-11, the humor afterwards, it took, a, it took at least a week before we started seeing the humor. And it was a very different kind of more subdued humor than what we're seeing now. Uh, I know that social media has changed, but my goodness, you just, you just look anywhere and everywhere and you're, you're seeing um, memes, you're seeing videos, you're seeing uh, comedians, you're seeing late night hosts. Everybody is embracing this humor uh, expression of, of what's going on right now with the virus, with the shortage of toilet paper, with the run on on foods. And, and for the first time ever, we're not just dealing with a a regional or a, or a national crisis. This is the first time um, that we are experiencing globally together the same kind of thing. And so, you know, international humor, even that this is crossing um, boundaries in terms of geographical boundaries with the people sharing humor. And so I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think that uh, this is a way for us to, uh, create uh, just these little brief amygdala releases. Uh, you know, our, our, we, a lot of people move into fear and we know that physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, cognitively, bad juju to be in a prolonged state of fear. And I think that these, uh, the way that people are expressing humor right now is marvelous in terms of creating these little brain breaks and, and subsequent opportunities to move into a better state. Wow, that was a mouthful. Let me stop. That was, take a that cup was, of that coffee. was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to hop on over to uh, Dr. Dunkelblau. Um, yeah, uh, kind of the same question, but could you also pair in about uh, a little bit about the collective experience and how humor might help that? Sure. sure. Uh, first of all, I, I love Karen's uh, uh, dissertation there. Uh, it's not everybody <laughs> that can talk about affective, <laughs> cognitive, and, <laughs> and then ended with bad juju. Uh, <laughs> you started its best. with breasts. Come on, science, there you go. Science at its best. Um, so, so yeah. I uh, Karen mentioned that 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 using humor, laughter, and play is a a way to cope and respond to uh, getting emotional distance from the anxiety of the threat. And that's so true. And, and the risk in, in doing anything to get emotional distance from anxiety is that we also get emotional distance from each other. So, uh, and especially when we have mandated social distancing, that's really uh, a, a risk to who we are as naturally social people. We crave the, many, many of us, not all of us, uh, crave the company of others and, and rely on the company of others, whether we get it at home or at work and relationships. So with this required social distancing, 
we really have to come up with ways to respond to that and still meet those social needs. And, and what humor does is it really joins, it really connects us. There's virtually nobody that doesn't like to laugh. And the goal here is to lower the anxiety threshold enough so that we can actually laugh at things and see the irony or silliness in something. I, I read something today where somebody went into a supermarket and asked uh, one of the supermarket clerks, where are the nuts? And he said, they're all in the toilet paper aisle. Uh, so so I, uh, you know, I think that there's, there's a certain appreciation for, for some of the irony of what's going on, and that helps lower our anxiety. In psychology, uh, what we talk about is that typically the problem is not the challenge. The problem is not the big problem. It's the reaction to the problem. That's the problem. And so we have a threat, we have a, a pandemic, and, and everybody is, is anxious about it, but how we respond to that anxiety is really what we, pay, what we need to pay attention to and make sure that people are not overreacting, not hoarding, not doing things that, that create more trouble than reduce the risk. And I think humor, laughter, and play is a way for people to, to uh, teach themselves and the people around them that we can handle this and we can still find the humor in it. It's when people stop laughing, laughing that people really get nervous. But, um, I like how you, you drew that out as far as the reaction piece, because I think that's an important thing on you know, us looking at how we're gonna proceed because there's so much unknown out there. Um, I'm gonna throw this over to you, Dr. Heidi Hanna, on looking at, you know, some of the things that are actually happened, you know, with, with the unknown in our brain, you know, our reaction mm -hmm. to it, how does humor, you know, help deal with some of that crap? Yeah. Well, well, first <laughs> of all, first of all, the, the scientific word term. being crap as it is. Um, I'm so grateful to be here with you guys. I cannot get the smile off my face. It's just so awesome to hear all of you. And, and my experience has been, I know we're all having very unique experiences. Um, I almost hate to even, say this, but I have been both sick and traveling um, the last couple of weeks. So it has been a very interesting adventure in, you know, navigating the stress and the uncertainty, but also being in different places and away from home and then having health challenges around that. Um, and I have leaned into humor so much. And, you know, you mentioned the reactionary piece. I feel like it's actually been the proactive training that I've been doing over the past years to really improve my mental and emotional health, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis that allowed me to navigate the last couple of weeks as well as I did. So, um, you know, typically what's going on in the situation is we do get that kind of amygdala hijack that we often hear about. And as we're experiencing things that are out of our control or that we're uncertain about, um, you know, those are two of the biggest triggers for chronic stress. And when we have acute stress, like if the illness happened and it was in a day and, you know, there was some trauma associated that we would actually adapt and recover pretty well because the human system is very adaptable, especially the brain and the nervous system. But what happens in cases like these is we don't know how long it's going to take. So we quickly shift into this chronic stress situation. And it's a totally different chemical cascade happening in the brain that affects the body. Things like increased wear and tear on our arteries and uh, inflammation and all of that negative stuff that, you know, we, we really don't want to be thinking a whole lot 
about right now because we don't want to make the situation worse for ourselves. Um, but like Ed said, uh, Dr. D said, um, Dr. D. I think what we really have to pay, it's a double D, it's in a, in a different kind of way. Um, what we really have to pay attention to is what we're doing to ourselves when we allow ourselves to get triggered by the stress of all of it to weaken our immune system. So even in a situation like this, being sick and traveling, I know what to do to heal myself and just really focusing on that. And humor has played a huge role in that. And just to end on this note, um, a couple of days ago, when getting ready to travel home from San Francisco, I used my hotel key to try to get out the door three times and then was frustrated that it got deactivated. I got a pretty good laugh at myself about that. And just being able to actually stop and soak in the humor and the appreciation of the silliness of the moment made a huge impact in like kind of boosting my brain power for the rest of the day. That's, um, I, I love that because I, I can't tell you how many times I've used the wrong hotel key from a previous hotel. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, I am all, I am, I just appreciate, I appreciate the honesty. And then I would get all, I, one time I even got really pissed off and I went up to the counter and I was like, this, this room, this key doesn't work. And this like, the lady was like, that's not our hotel. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so um, it's in those moments. It's in those moments we choose, right? As Karen was saying, to respond instead of react. So even in that, that initial kind of agitation was like, okay, let me pause for a second and really like use my brain to figure out a better solution. In this case, to laugh at myself. But you know, for other circumstances, we can do the same thing. We can stop on a dime when we notice ourselves feeling those stress reactions and getting hijacked and being reactive and pause and breathe and find something funny and allow ourselves to respond. Beautifully said, beautifully said, Dr. Heidi Hanna. Um, <laughs> it was, that was awesome. Uh, I know from my, my perspective, uh, like as of last week, you know, before I got, I was on a trip last week, I got home on Thursday and up until uh, the time I got home, my, my speaking calendar looked fantastic. And as soon as I landed and pulled up my email, I was, I was unemployed. And so, yeah. yep. And so, I what a club we have. Yeah, part of <laughs> uh, part of what I'm feeling is, you know, one kind of like that sense of loss of like, all right, what do I do now? I mean, what am I going to do to free that sense of grief of I built this thing over so much time? There's so much stuff out of my control. How do I deal with that? So I want to hey, throw that over to Dr. Melissa Mork, and you know, because she is um, my grief counselor. You know, how, <laughs> how, how do people that are grieving things, you know, how, how do we deal with this? Because I think that everybody's dealing with something in their own way. We absolutely are. I think we're all grieving a lot of things. And one of the things we're dealing with is the ambiguity of what we might be losing, what we have lost. You know, we've, many of us are being sequestered um, and quarantined. So we've lost our freedom. We've lost connection. We've lost our colleagues. We've lost our ability to escape our families. Uh, loss of, you know, just so many things, even our loss of resources, like you said, with a lot of us, unpredictability of where our next paycheck is coming from. There's just so many losses. And I think every one of those losses we have to acknowledge and give it the gravity that it holds. But also I think what humor does is it allows us to gain some mastery over that. We've talked about how it gives mastery over anxiety and mastery over stress and mastery over disconnection. But I think humor is also giving us some mastery over these losses as catastrophic as some of them might feel. But it also, it, it builds our resilience, you know, because 
when we are able to continue to be playful, we can laugh in the face of these losses. We are building our zest, you know, we're recapturing our optimism, we're reclaiming our hope um, and realizing that what we might be saying goodbye to provides opportunity for something even more magnificent to come in the future. So I think that this humor is a way of continuing to build our resilience in the face of these pretty serious losses. Oh, yes. Pretty serious losses. I, I, from my perspective, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to have to find a different place to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a downer. I'm sorry. I was, I was, <laughs> me cause I was, you're, uh, you're not alone in that one. Anyway. Um, yeah. I, I wanna, Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? That would be funny. We're all going like to Heidi's. Have, a, <laughs> oh have an A-T-H commune someplace in the wilderness. We're going to need a bigger boat, that's for sure. <laughs> Can I bring my 15-year-old? He kind of stinks right now, but he's pretty uh, friendly. Uh, and that's I, See, my heart really goes out to you because you've got teens at home. I couldn't imagine. Uh, oh, the smells uh, coming up from the basement will really surprise you <laughs> no I've, I've had four teens in the house they wouldn't surprise me i'm just glad they're gone <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right <laughs> that's i want so to pop on over to uh, paul our current president of the association um oh, condolences <laughs> we're because uh, we're kind of you know uh, I, I look at kind of kindred spirits where we're both uh good operators so for you uh what are some of the things that you're personally doing to use humor to uh, deal with the situation. I mean, I saw you fly fishing on Facebook the other day and I thought, Hey, that's pretty awesome. But, um, I don't know if that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well I actually did, um, uh, the first fish that I hooked, hooked, uh, hooked up with, I, I was, there was a lot of snow on the ground and it li- literally pulled me into the river. It wasn't that big of a fish, but um, yeah, I, I fell right in after, uh, after oh, hooking that fish. So I guess that was funny, but in terms of what I'm doing, um, I am like, like what Heidi and Karen and others said that I'm enjoying watching other people create humor out of this. Um, and a lot, I, I think a lot of it when I think Karen was comparing to like nine 11, there's a huge difference right now with say 9-11 or a a situation that happens to other people and a situation that happens to everyone. Uh, And now everyone is going through like everyday annoying pain points in life. And that's where humor comes from. Like that's where all the best comedy comes from is we take the crappy things about our day or our life and we find humor in it. And I think that's why you've got just people all over the globe uh, being able to laugh at this because, you know, living, I was living in Colorado when 9-11 happened. So for me to try to find humor or, or you know, create some humor out of that wouldn't really feel right because I'm not in the in-group anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the mayor of New York at the time did it on Saturday Night Live, it worked because he had gone through it. Well, now mm-hmm. we're all going through it. So um, I, I think part of it is just paying attention to the annoying things or the uh, kind of uh, like, you know, everybody's making jokes about toilet paper and, and, you know, social distancing and all that. And then I just realized uh, one of the things that I did um, today is I just made a video because I realized how bad I am at signing off of remote like Zoom video meetings. <laughs> 
And so then I, I just made a video today of five different ways people sign off of Zoom meetings. And so there's like always, <laughs> there's always the person who like is trying to smile, but find the end button at the same time. And then someone who wants to be the last one on and say goodbye to everyone. So to me, that's funny because that's uh, something I'm going through now is I'm having all these, these remote meetings. And that was just something I noticed that's annoying is like, why can't I just magically wave and go goodbye and then it ends? So yep. that's funny. It's that just funny to me finding the annoyances and find, and that's where your humor will start. So I'll throw this out to anybody that wants to start um, are what are some of the funniest things that you've seen lately um, on social media or that you've done uh, or found funny in your own life as we've been going through this? Oh well, my gosh. So I'm go assuming everyone has seen this. So this is Heidi. I'm assuming everyone's seen this, but the one I got today from my dad that just had my husband and I both like peeing our pants was the husband who is like listening to a recording and it says, you're going to need to be quarantined. <laughs> you know, you have two options. Option one is to be quarantined with your wife and your children and option two, and he goes, option two is the funniest <laughs> thing. And it's just, you know, it's so short. And I mean, I love memes and, and images. I've actually been collecting some for a project I'm working on. But that one to me just got right to the point. And I have to say on, on a kind of unfortunate note that yesterday after watching the news all day, I was so wound up that my husband and I had an argument about something so stupid. And I can look back and honestly say it's because I had too much news and not enough humor. And we have got mm -hmm. to get that balance back. So mm -hmm. this was a great way to start the day for me. Good. Awesome. Who uh, else would like to chime in? I've, I've got one um, that I've got one personal one and then one that I've enjoyed seeing one. The personal one was when I went to the store and I literally just needed some toilet paper. Like it was time to buy toilet paper and there's none. And the only thing left in the aisle is called dude wipes. And it's like <laughs> wet wipes for guys. And it was, so it was just like 50 packages of dude wipes. And so nice. I was like, Oh my God. It, was, it just, well, it's just up. so oddly specific, isn't it? Yeah, totally, yeah. So uh, uh, I, point, point of order I, on that. See, when I had my ostomy surgery, dude wipes were the bomb. So oh, good. That's what good. I, I just want to throw that out there. Well, I about got my ass kicked. Bomb. I wiped a few dudes and nothing happened. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, and then, and then the, uh, the other thing I'm really enjoying is like Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy mm. Kimmel – really anyone named Jimmy, but uh, a, a lot of, a lot of talk show people are having, doing their shows from their homes. And uh, it's really cool to, to see like a different side of people. And I was, t I was actually talking with somebody that works at, at Amazon and he's uh, got like a VP role there. And he was saying that their video meetings now, it's so cool because people are getting interrupted by their kids and we're seeing parts of their house. And he said, we're, we've been so uptight and being able to see kind of the more human side of people has been really neat during in these video meetings. So I, to me, I've really enjoyed that with celebrities and seeing just kind of like John Legend with a beard singing on his piano with his wife. It's just awesome. Right. And that's an interesting mm -hmm. byproduct. I mean, I didn't even think about that. And what a great thing that when this all goes, you blow, I don't want to say blows over, but when it's all done, uh, maybe that the collectiveness, the, uh, some of the things that separate us in the workplace uh, might have dissipated. Maybe we can see each other more as people and less as roles. Preach. 
Yes, absolutely. And I've noticed that myself in the Zoom meetings with fellow faculty is that I am, I'm seeing them, you know, how messy their houses are. And I'm seeing, you know, one guy is wearing like a suit jacket and then he had to get up to get something and he's wearing Zubas on the bottom, you know, party on the top or, you know, business on the top, party on the bottom. And so it's been fun to just kind of remove some of those professional masks and see each other for who we are. It's been, it's been fun. And can I add to that too? So this is Heidi again, and that just reminds me of a great question that came up. Um, I was actually at Canyon Ranch Woodside in San Francisco earlier this week, and we were doing a Brain Recharge retreat and really excited about it with my colleague. And we had um, just a few participants who showed up and, and I was there for the first couple of days before we had to cancel. But one of the participants, we were having a conversation about circuit breaking stress. And she said, you know, is there any way that we cannot experience those negative emotions, you know, fear, anger, whatever's going on. And what really landed for me in that moment was the fact that all emotions help to facilitate learning. And when we feel bonded with somebody else, we release oxytocin and that actually strengthens those neural connections. So one of the best studies I've ever seen on this was by my colleague who passed away recently, unfortunately, um, Bruce McEwen, who showed that when we experience stress with other people we feel socially connected with, it causes the growth of new brain cells. So it's like super glue for what we want to pay attention to. And I think in this case, we're seeing that as well, that yes, we're experiencing stress. So we probably have some elevated cortisol levels, but if we're experiencing some healthy humor and joy and social bonding in the midst of all of that, we can become radically more adaptable as a result of it. It's just when we start to lose that, it's like we're losing the most important component of that super glue. Um, that's where we see the system breaking down instead of building back up. Oh, interesting. That's so cool. This is Melissa. I don't want to go down too far of a rabbit trail on that, but um, in the, Let's go. so everything that we've doing, we're doing, we had to move everything on the university onto virtual learning. So all of my classes are now online. And one of the things I've decided to do is take every week requiring students to take the content and create something funny out of it because mm -hmm. uh, what that will do is it's going to cement the content and the learning. It's going to be fun for them. We're going to bond over it. We're going to laugh together. We're also finding a different way of learning the content instead of just regurgitating it onto a, an exam or an essay. They have to create something new out of it, but it awesome. connects it with what you just said. I think the social bonding and the connectivity. I think that you know, Melissa, too, um, Comedy Central does uh, research, like market research, and they found that 88% of millennials uh, now say that humor, no longer music, is their number one form of self-expression. Wow. And, and that makes so much sense to me because humor is more widely available than it's ever been in our lifetimes. And when you think yes. about how we express ourselves via text to each other, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the invention of the animated GIF is like one of the greatest inventions of my lifetime. Um, Agreed. Because yeah. it really helps us and it helps people who maybe don't even think that they're that funny easily connect with humor. Like, here's how I really feel. And so when, when we're talking about all these people sharing memes and GIFs and videos and making all of this humor, um, it's, it's really become a form of self-expression for people that maybe it didn't used to be. Right. And it is, it's so accessible way more than musical ability or, you know, writing a poem. You're right. It's absolutely accessible to everybody. 
I was gonna I was gonna jump over to you, Ed, on this one because I think this would be a great application for you know parents that are now thrust into teaching their kids. And you were do a lot of work in the education world. I mean, is there an application for parents in that realm? Well, uh, uh, yes, uh, many actually. But let me back up just for a second uh, to Paul's comment. I think that yeah, uh, in in difficult circumstances, many of us are able to fall back on on seeing the funny. Uh, certainly, Karen has been promoting that for thirty years. Um, since she was six and uh, <laughs> I, I figure at some point she's actually going to hear this. Um, so uh, w- what I'm aware of though is that uh, if Comedy Central is doing the uh, market research, they're going to find comedy to be a primary expression. I'm wondering if, if MTV did the research if they wouldn't find music to be more of the expression. And the goal here is not to identify one versus the other but to recognize the value of all of these things. Um, the, the other uh, risk that I think that, that we're in our conversation is that people listening to this, many may not feel able to generate humor. They may not feel capable or have the know-how or uh, skill to be able to generate humor. And that doesn't preclude their using humor, laughter, and play to, to deal and cope with difficult circumstances. So I, I think uh, one of the things that teachers have been, uh, I, I've been very involved in teaching networks, uh, as you can imagine over the last week, as everybody's gone either to distance learning or just total shutdowns and parents being stuck at home with their children. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, If ever there was a bargaining point for teachers to get raises, this is it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that there, there won't be a, a parent out there who is not all for teachers getting anything that they require uh, to take their children back. So, uh, I, uh, but as far as the coping in the interim, I think there are a lot of things that families can do. Uh, I, and, and let me just give you a couple of thoughts here. One is uh, everybody's fallback for humor is telling jokes and finding jokes, identifying jokes, telling each other jokes. And, and, and the goal here is to overcome that social distance. That's really my, uh, uh, that, that's, that's really the point I wanna make across all of these things. I think uh, one of the risks with social distancing is isolation, especially isolation of the senior population, because I think um, uh, uh, right now, uh, people who are in high risk, uh, older, uh, uh, parts of our population are going to feel pretty isolated. So I think having them telling each other stories or telling stories over radio or phone, uh, reminiscences, funny reminiscences or things that can work with them. I would also look for fun and funny stories for kids, um, uh, playing silly games. Uh, Another thing is for people who have social networks that they're not able to connect with right now, to really think about doing online gaming, uh, uh, community games. Uh, I, I have a group of people that I vacation with and we have organized a Trivial Pursuit game tomorrow at one o'clock uh, where all 12 of us are gonna get together and play a board game. Oh, that's a good idea. Via Zoom. So uh, the other thing is since there are so many memes out there is to begin to ask people who are not generating those, 
or creating those to create theme memes is to find three or four or five memes on a particular topic and pull them together and start sharing those. It gives them a reason to go out and start mining the world for fun things. Um, I, uh, I, uh, Chip, I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, sure, it did. I, I, I was just looking at like uh, the application piece for you know parents with their kids. It, that's easy for me to put together from what Melissa was saying, what she's gonna be doing, that um, certainly we could make learning a little more fun and then maybe even if we're not a teacher, make it more meaningful. And I agree with you that if ever there was a time for teachers to ask for a raise, now is it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the chip, can I throw something back in there too? Absolutely. When, when Ed was talking about social isolation, it's happening within the homes too. Even though we are, you know, being contained together in the home, there there might be some conflict going on or some, you know, emotional distancing. And humor really is a solution to this as well. That if we can play together, if we can laugh together, if we can find common ground in our sense of humor or in something that we're watching or do, playing, it's going to reconnect us. Um, I think that being alone isn't the only source of social isolation. It can happen in groups and in, in our families as well. So let me throw this out. Uh, I, I, I am a humor novice. I never used humor in my life that much. If you know me, you know, that's true. So, um, <laughs> if, uh, so I'm coming to you cause you guys are all humor professionals. I mean, you, you not only talk the talk, you walk the walk and I'm like, all right, I don't know where to start. What's my best course of action of going forth and getting a little control of my life using humor? I mean, what's your, you know, we'll just cycle through on your best advice from me being a novice. Anybody can start. Say again, ask it in a different way. <laughs> can you, can you ask the question again? Sure. I'll ask the question again. Was that a little that's too the first time we've all been quiet. So yeah. I was like, you know, it's like, wow, that's really weird. If I, I if I'm a brand new person, I'm a humor novice. I, I I'm not funny. I don't know how yeah. to find the funny. Um, and I'm coming to you as a humor professional saying like, okay, yeah. what should I do? What are you going to recommend to me? Yeah. So for me, I think Karen kind of kicked us off mentioning this as well. And she's been such a huge, not huge in that way, but like helpful, um, humor homie for me and really has, has helped me kind of hone my craft on this. But I think part of it was creating like a beyond funny folder. So I have a beyond funny folder and anytime I see something, I just drop it in there. So I start like a collection for myself and I've never been a joke teller, but I find all sorts of things funny. I think the biggest challenge when you're starting off is like, how do you let go of the filter of self-criticism and perceived judgment by other people. Like if I say something and it's not funny, what does that mean? And is the world going to end? What I found really empowering is as a speaker, especially I would show videos of babies laughing. I mean, that's always been a, a, a huge uh, benefit gets a good laugh. It's usually the way I close the session. Everyone leaves on an up note. So I think having like videos or images or things that you find funny that are created by other people starts to allow you to start kind of playing with that. And then as you do that, allowing yourself to gain confidence, you decrease the filter that's stopping you from maybe sharing things that you find funny with other people. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yep. And for me, I don't consider myself funny either, um, but I have funny friends. And I, yeah, I, was, I, was, 
<laughs> I have I have funny family members and I have a funny kid. And so I just go hang out with them. Right now, after this um, conversation, I'm going to hang out with some friends on Zoom. We're all going to bring our own glass of wine and we're going to sit on Zoom and just chat. Um, so I might not be funny, but I know where to turn and who to go to, to for people who will make me laugh. Wouldn't it have been oh. awesome to buy some Zoom stock like two months ago? Right? I wish I thought oh, of man. it. <laughs> you know, I always, I always tell people if you're, if you're thinking to yourself that like, hey, look, I'm just not that funny, you're probably right. You might not be funny at all, okay? And that's okay. Thanks, Paul. But, <laughs> but, no, no offense taken. But, but what you are probably is either really humble or self-aware, which are – actually hey. pretty key to being funny um but she is I, both of those things I can I, that. yeah exactly um i i think along the lines of what heidi said i think just getting into humor habits um and surrounding yourself with humor will help your brain start to see life less as a drama and more as a comedy at times and mm-hmm. um so there's a, a lot of ways that, you know to be able to do that i think if if people are wondering like literally, how do I make something funny? Um, one of the best ways to do that is is exaggeration. And um, a lot of comedians who are writing stand-up bits or sketch comedy, they just take a they just take a situation and exaggerate it to the most ridiculous extreme. And that's what you see people doing with a lot of the videos and memes around um, social distancing and that kind of stuff. Um, but take Take uh, whatever it is you're dealing with. One of my favorite sketches from, there's a a sketch comedy, all-female sketch comedy show called Baroness Von Sketch. They are hilarious, um, I believe, Canadian women. And they do a bit about dry shampoo. And all all they did, because the, the thing about dry shampoo for women is that like, hey, I can go a day or two without washing my hair. I can just use this dry shampoo and I'm good. All they did was exaggerate. And so this woman comes and, tells her friends like, yeah, I'm running late, but it's okay. I've got dry shampoo. And then she comes a few days later and her hair's like a little bigger and a little crazier. And it's like, it's cool. Dry shampoo, you know? And then like a week later, it's like just this huge bird's nest. She's like, dry shampoo. Um, but that's what exaggeration does. It, I mean, almost every comedian uses exa- exaggeration is, uh, is used so much. It's up like a million percent this year. <laughs> So Paul is funny. <laughs> it's up a million percent. But that's what that's what one tool. One one thing. Another one is comparison. You know, like um, one of my favorite bits from a comedian called Sebastian Maniscalco is he compares himself to his wife. And my wife is like a dog. She likes to play and greet people. I'm like a cat. I like to hide. Um, so just compare like my life now versus my life before coronavirus or mm-hmm. You know, these members of my family versus me during, um, you know, introverts versus extroverts, just comparing. That's where you find a lot of humor. I was thinking I'm kind of like a dog. I I like to eat and sleep and I'm afraid of the vacuum cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) And the way you greet me, I don't want to be greeted. (laughs) (laughs) Only one leg. Right. But back to your earlier question, uh, one of my favorite memes that I've seen the last few days, and I imagine many of you have seen at this point, is a little dog giving directions on how to handle the latest social distancing issues. And it is absolutely hilarious. 
about about uh, 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 not sniffing other people's crotches for now and <laughs> where to, to find snacks uh, in the street near the sewers. And it's just absolutely wonderful. That's great. There, there's another one with a dog putting a cone on its owner's head and saying, this is for your own good. You're not supposed to touch your face. Hi. I love that one. Um, over to you, Ed, because I know you gave us some really good uh, uh, points uh, when you were uh, sharing a little bit ago. Any other things you'd like to throw in there for people to stretch and build their humor muscle? Um, yes. Uh, find the people in your social environment that are funny and spend time with them. Having, having a humor buddy, have someone who gets you and understands your sense of humor is really key to survival, not only in this situation, but in any situation. I would Definitely. also, yep. I, I would look for things in the places you don't typically look. So uh, if, if you're not a reader, find something that's uh, written by a funny author. Uh, if you're not someone who typically watches comedies, maybe watch a comedy. So just stretch uh, your, your humor universe a little bit in looking in places you might not ordinarily look. Excellent. So along, Excellent. along those lines too, I want to add to that, Ed, that made me think of something really that's been so powerful for me is because, and I've been very open about this, I've struggled with anxiety and depression since I was a really young child. Um, you know, when I'm struggling, I, I don't want to put it out there. Like I don't want to be a downer, especially on social media. So I have a tendency to isolate as one of my coping strategies anyway. Um, but what I've noticed is on social media, if I just put out there like, what do you find funny? Or what did you find funny today? Or can anyone share their favorite comedy? I'm looking for something to watch. Like it's almost become code now for I'm having a bad day. I don't need to put out there that I'm having a bad day. And I'm not actually trying to keep it from anyone, but it gives us something like productive to do with that opportunity to say, here's a way for us to connect and you can share something with me that's gonna be really helpful. It's really practical for me. And now I'm going to go use that as a strategy. And then I save all of those so that in the future, if I wanna use them again or someone else is struggling, then I have those to share. Nice. Excellent. All great strategies. I really do so appreciate you spending some time with me today. You know, one, I think that you are the best group of people I've ever been around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to make sure I threw that in there, a little callback. But um, uh, there are uh, a few things that I hadn't thought about in my own strategies that I can now apply. You know, things that are like, oh, you know what, something, you know, yeah, that does work for me. I should do that. And I'm sure that our listeners will get a lot of that um, out of our discussion as well. Uh, before we close, any last piece, uh, pieces, any pisses that... Uh, <laughs> Nice. I'm having trouble getting words out today. And you make a living as a speaker? Is that what you said? <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Those days are long gone. <laughs> I'm going to be working for DoorDash. Um, <laughs> any other things that hey, we might have missed in our conversation that you think are imperative for people to know? Uh, the, the last thing that I'll say is really try to keep doing this even months from now. Cause I think it's easier right now cause this is all new and fresh, but let's see how we're doing a few months from now when we've been locked at home for a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> less things, and less things are funny. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be an evolution of the way we're finding the humor. I wonder if it's going to become more sophisticated and darker. 
Um, yeah. I'm really curious to see how it evolves. Yeah. I just remember that even as a coping strategy, when things are going wrong, it's so fun to just have the perspective of I'm getting material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Absolutely. like everything that we go through is material for a joke for me or for someone else at some point when the timing's right. So I agree. Well, thank you, my friends, for spending some time with me today. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. And I know that anybody listening is going to enjoy it as well. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate it. There you go, my friends. That is what I call a humor happening. Uh, Super bright people sharing their techniques, their strategies on how to use humor in your own life to take control of a situation. Man, I learned so much from this group. I know you did too. You know, and if you still want more, you want to learn a little bit more about how you can use humor in your own life uh, when all hell is breaking loose. Hey, this is how you can do it. You can go to aath.org, check us out, connect with us. Go to our Facebook page, connect on there. We are always sharing ways on how you can use humor in your own life. So until next time, this is Chip Lutz saying, we'll keep the laugh on for you. Thanks for listening to LaughBox. If you'd like to learn more about AATH, visit our website at www.aath.org or email the host at chip at unconventionalleader.com. And if you'd like to be particularly awesome, leave us a review on iTunes. And or tell your friends about how awesome the podcast is, unless you didn't think it was awesome. And then just keep it your little secret. Or tell them it was awesome and then laugh to yourself about how you're going to be wasting an hour of their time while you're out doing something productive like handing out heads of cabbage at a Miley Cyrus concert. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, and may the farce be with you.